0: Welcome to the midweek edition of Let's Debate It podcast. On today's episode, we will review Pep's Pick'em and we will depict a variety of sports topics ranging from World Series to college football. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And uh, yeah, let's you know go over the midweek special and talk about NCAA football and um uh, I know some NBA updates and NFL world series so kind of give the people what they want um now that the uh now that the fall's coming up and they got nothing better to do but listen to uh listen to our uh, anyways uh I thought it would be interesting to talk about some NCAA football stuff uh, most notably Ohio State that just had a uh, a blowout loss at Purdue, a, a program that's really been struggling. Uh, they have one top recruit that decided to go there, uh, one of the wide receivers, uh, an action player who's had a pretty good season. Um, Pep, do you think uh, – I, I wanted to ask you, do you think that Ohio State season is done, and do you think that at the end of the day – it's fair that a team can lose one game and that can really put a mark on their season.
1: Um, I don't think no personally think uh OSU is done for the year because after this week's poll they're still ranked number 4. It's in the polls uh they're 7 and 1 after that blowout loss to Purdue. And uh I mean they I don't think they're out personally. Last year we had we had uh, a couple teams with, with one to two losses that still made the final four when UCF was 13-0 and, and and uh, blowing teams out of the water. But the strength of schedule mattered on that one. So I think OSHA will be fine. They have a tough schedule. They, they've uh, overcome adversity with losing their coach at the beginning of the season. So I think, I think uh, OSHA will be fine, and they're still, they're still a top five team. Gotcha. Now,
0: how do you evaluate talent and how do you evaluate, like you say, strength of schedule and last year, UCF, you know, if I was on that UCF team, I would have kind of been bitter. You don't even get that opportunity to compete for a national championship mm-hmm. just because you're not in a a power conference. So if you're a, if you're one of these top recruits, it's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy. You have to go to a top program to end up playing um to end up competing for a national championship otherwise if you go to a school like UCF chances are even if you go 13 and 0 that that you know that that opportunity is most likely never going to present itself so you know can you opine on that
1: yeah exactly like you said the uh UCF was 13 and 0 they beat I think there was one top twenty-five team throughout the year, and they were in their own conference. At Mem- with Memphis, they beat them by twenty-seven last year. I mean, they were beating teams by forty, fifty points a night. And okay, they were they were they were playing Jimmy Bob and Willie uh, Willie Wonka on, on on Saturdays, but they're still getting wins, and you can't take that away from them. On the other hand, you said. These top recruits are going to they got oh going to the big time schools like Alabama, LSU, Ohio State because of their strength of schedule because they have they're going to be in the mix and uh, still have a chance to make the national title after one or two losses. Whereas UCF thirteen and didn't make it. That's where the point comes in. Where do you draw the line? Um, do you add do you add more teams to the to the playoff to, to get these teams that are just missing the deadline not missing the cutoff, and um uh, and uh what do you do with that what 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 do you think we should do with that well to be honest
0: if you're asking me the NCAA men's basketball tournament which is the highest revenue generating sports event in the world um that has 68 teams and i think that obviously it's very fun to watch. Uh, I will say that I don't think the best team always wins uh, due to just how the tournament is structured. You could have two very good teams. You could have a team like UConn a couple of years ago that just gets hot and just you know goes on a streak and, mm-hmm. and kind of like you have that one dominant player that just clicks at the right time. I think both, both championships that UConn won – uh, in the recent history we're kind of like Kemba Walker um, and Shabazz Napier kind of putting the team on the back and, mm-hmm. and, and going off. So, um, but anyways, to go off on that topic, I, I don't think you can, uh, it would be nice if you could expand college football, but how do you, how do you, ex- how many teams do you expand it to? Let's just say you could do eight or 16, right? Then that means you have to cut the regular season short mm-hmm. and you know, for some of these programs, how is that going to affect them? Um, Some of the, some of the teams that are just realistically speaking, never going to play in the, in the college playoff tournament, you're cutting their revenue and, and, and you can kind of attest to this. Uh, You went to two big schools and these big schools that have big budgets, you can football and basketball are two revenue generating sports and they were they were cutting down on some other programs. And if you cut down two or three football games, um, that may be, Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. Exactly. Temple. uh, I'm not sure how much revenue they generate off of football, but I'm sure it's a good amount. Um, Obviously basketball is very, has been very profitable for them. Um, Yeah. But you know, I think this is the best that we can do and, and we'll kind of have to go with, uh, the voters i guess objectively evaluating these teams and trust that what they have voted on is you know is, i would, I, would in, I
1: wouldn't i wouldn 't mind what seeing eight teams that 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 would mean you would play one extra game, i think yeah one extra game instead of four teams and uh so you would and and there 's eight teams so so you 're not going to see three four teams get robbed of of uh playing an extra game playing extending their season into the uh ncaa playoffs but i don't know you never know i don't know if it'll change you never know but i wouldn't mind seeing eight teams make it gotcha all right
0: let's let's move on to the all interesting nba um the season is very young uh i think four or five games in and uh the podcast that we had on Sunday, um, we briefly mentioned the Lakers and the Houston Rockets scuffle mm. uh, because that's that's all it is in today's NBA. It's a little scuffle and guys just stick out their chest and kind of uh, the malice at the palace will probably never happen again. Not that we want anything like that to happen again, but uh, Chris Paul and Chris Rondo, who notoriously I guess don't like each other or have never never have liked each other got into the scuffle, and kind of like, how about you depict this for us and kind of tell us what happened and your thoughts. And if you were Chris Paul and if you were Rajon Rondo, um, what would you do? And if that happened to one of your teammates, say you were um, Eric Gordon, how do you react?
1: Um, well, the video showed that Rondo may have spit on it in Chris Paul's face. And I saw Chris Paul, I was trying to read his mouth, and he said, don't spit on me, blah, 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 and pointed and poked his eye. I mean, if a guy spits on you in your face, you're going to react. And it it doesn't matter if you're on a basketball court in front of millions of people or you're in an alleyway off of Broad Street. So it's... Really, that that that's not gonna change anything. Uh, a
0: guy I don't think so.
1: No, I don't no. think so. I think I'm <laughs> I think I'm gonna react to the same. But um, your character is your
0: character is unchangeable. Okay.
1: But you can I mean, Rondo denies spitting on him. Then then Rondo came out to, to defend, basically defend himself and say Chris Paul's a bad guy. Uh, he's a bad teammate, and I don't know how this is going. How is it going to go in the locker room with LeBron? With uh, but, but back to the point, I think the the uh, it went down the right way. I think Rondo, he, Chris Paul came at him. Rondo threw his punch, and they and they, and they did the little scuffle, like you said. But and Brandon Ingram came in trying to defend him, which I don't understand why he started the whole thing. Maybe he was frustrated. He's yeah, yeah, frustrated. I I agree with. You. I agree with you. What what was what, first of all, first of all, James Harden. I mean, James 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 is known for getting a lot of calls. He's known for that. He's known to to use his body a lot, and 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 that's but that's, that's within his game. the play of the game. Yeah, that's the that's, that's and and Ingram and Ingram is is light is uh, light in the trousers. So I mean, he was he went flying off of James Harden's big big shoulders. So I mean, he I think that was one of the reasons why he was angry. And James so Harden. do you push a guy like that? Do you push James Harden for being strong and
0: making a strong move, which to me looks like a basketball play, and just shove him for no reason? And then what, what really got to me was Brandon Ingram, who weighs about 175 pounds soaking wet and at 6'9", gets up in the referee's face. And and that referee is one of the more senior officials mm. that we have in the game, gets up in his face like, what exactly? what exactly was he trying to do? intimidate the official, I mean, Lance Stevenson was calming him down and Lance Stevenson, of all people, to be calming people down is just absolutely hysterical to me. And then he comes in throwing a punch and and it's like I I could kind of get the Chris Paul, um, Rajon Rondo, in a sense, they were up in each other's faces, they reacted but to kind of like sucker punch somebody out of nowhere run up to me Just I I don't understand what Brandon Ingram was thinking. So, what about LeBron's stake? He kind of like left it off in a way. And and what do you think the dynamics going to be within that locker room with defending his
1: teammates and his relationship with Chris Paul? Well, I mean, you see LeBron. He was calming down Chris. Chris in the video, Uh, he was he had his arm around him, and he was basically saying leave, let it. Let it go, let it go, and I saw what Chris Paul said. He said, "Go get your boy," and you calm him down. And LeBron said, "Okay," but I mean, after these comments, what what Rondo just came out, I think yesterday or the day before. I want to, I want to, I want to see where where LeBron's heads at right now. What what is gonna happen? I know Rondo's a vet; he's not a he's not a young guy, so LeBron can't really control that as much. And uh, but because Rondo's been in the league 10, 15 years. So he's won championship. Um, but that that's an interesting take. I, I don't know where LeBron's head's at and I would love to, love to get more into it and see where this is going to end up. Yeah. It seems
0: like, seems like an, an interesting dynamic, especially that they're 0-3 and they don't seem to be clicking. Um, they don't seem to be clicking as some people might've expected Um, but they also have played, um, tough opponents, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the trailblazers at home, that's a tough game. Um, and then you have Houston Rockets at home, which, but the thing is, um, and then obviously San Antonio Spurs, to me, it just seems like that they just, they have actually been playing well, but three tough opponents and, um playing kind of shorthanded with a young team and uh, they lost all all three games Uh, but let's move on last night I watched the Sixers game as I uh, I always do and Blake Griffin last night had 50 points had the game way up and the and the free throw he was five for eight from the free throw line or um, excuse me from the three-point line he seemed to be dominating Um, he doesn't have the explosiveness that he once had and that's saying a lot because he's still one of the most athletic players in the nba um he can still get up there but 50 points um and this is a guy that came out of oklahoma after his sophomore year um we knew what he could do then he missed his rookie year broke his kneecap um well his first year and then uh won rookie of the year uh the, the following year and never really did anything in LA as far as besides Kia commercials and making the all-star team. Um, so this guy kind of gets traded to Detroit middle of the season last year. And of all those live city teams and everything that, uh, you know, the Clippers have had, he never had a successful season. It seemed to me that every playoffs, every year in the playoffs, he would get injured and then Chris Paul, and then that would be it, and Clippers would be primed to, you know, get knocked out. Now he he's in the Eastern Conference. He's not playing the powerhouse teams, but he still is producing. He's having, I mean, four, three or four games in, he's putting up ridiculous numbers. Um, if he can keep this up, he's poised to have a tremendous season. What's your take on First of all, the game last night and Blake's career up to this point?
1: Last night's game was, oh, it was very up and down, exciting in the end. JJ hit a big shot. They, they, uh, Drummond got kicked out. There was a a lot of emotions going on and the Sixers ended up losing by a point. But, um, Blake Griffin, he, in the last two seasons, he's played 58 games total, total he had one full season in his career where he played 82 games and he he needs to be on the floor when he when he's on the floor he produces he's, his career stats are 22 9 and 4 he's uh, improved his 3 point 3 point uh, percentage from 21 his first four seasons now he's floating around 35 his last four seasons and uh, this season, he's shooting tremendously. Like you said, he was 5, okay, five for 8 last night. He's shooting 11 for 18. It's 61%. So he's improved his game. He's improved his outside shot. And I, and I respect that from him because when he came in the league, he was a freak of nature. He was just dunking on people, catching alley-oops, uh, driving pipe people, dunking. Now he's, he's developed into a, a mid-post guy. He can shoot. He can even stretch the floor, pick and pop. He's not just rolling to the rim, and that that creates more for for uh, his team and the other guys around him. So I think Blake, he's had a he's had a frustrating career with injuries, like you said he he's had a, he's had many injuries over his uh, ten years or wherever he's been in the NBA. But he's when he's on the court, he's producing, and I think he if he stays on the court this year, I think the Pistons could be a. Definitely a contender in the East. I don't know if uh, they'll be one and done in the playoffs or w- what it is, but I think they can. They can play. They, they have a good coach in Casey, obviously the coach of the year last year, and I think Blake uh, lifts them up. And him and Drummond are two dominant forces in the paint, especially in the East.
0: Um, yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. If he can stay healthy, I think he can. Uh, he can definitely produce and help his team win the problem that i have with that team is simply that they have two their two best players are clogging up the paint i don't know how they play them together um and then they also have patrulia coming off the bench mm-hmm. uh, to me that that is a very interesting dynamic they have going on over there um i think drummond um when he sticks to his game which is which is a rugged game rebounding blocking shots dunks I think he's very effective last night. I think Embiid got into his head a little bit, and he was trying to play outside of his scope, and and, and it's just not a good look. Sixers should have closed that game out, but they didn't. Um, but th- they really have no guard play I, besides Reggie Jackson. I, I don't see, I don't see anything with that team. But um, but yeah, the East is weak, and and if those th- if those two guys are dominating and out rebounding teams. Uh, I think they have a shot. Now, let me ask you a question. Um, You and I are obviously huge NBA fans, um, and I kind of thought of this question because it's discussed a lot, and a lot of people say out there, this guy's not good. I can beat him all. Just to clarify, there's, there's, I don't know, about, what, 7.5 billion people on the planet and 450 make it to the NBA. So I'm going to throw this out there. If you're in the NBA – or if you're a professional basketball player playing in any of the top leagues, you are, you are one of the best players in the world. They're obviously NBA hands down. Um, but we do think some players are more um, respected or, or under the microscope than others. Um, so Pep, let me ask you, who do you think is the most overrated player in the NBA? Um, this is obviously a very, Subjective question. Um, I can give you my opinion who the most underrated is, um, and obviously overrated as well. But um, who? What's your what's your take on that? Who who would you say is very overrated and kind of in the spotlight when you really shouldn't be?
1: Okay, so I if I were if I was going to pick a most overrated player, I'm going to put it in two categories. One is winning games. You, okay, so guys aren't always uh put around good players and they're not fortunate enough to play with guys uh super other superstars but let's let let me bring up one name i'm going to bring up andrew wiggins this guy uh coming out of high school and coming out of college he was talked about as being <laughs> the next lebron like in a couple of years he was going to be a top 5 player in the league and i <laughs> He could score the ball, but his shooting percentages are not great at all. He's his first three seasons in the year in, in, in the NBA. He's never won any won anything until Jimmy Butler came along and, and Wiggins was, was the third option. But I personally do not like his game. He's a volume shooter. He's he's very streaky, and I just don't see it. I just don't see it, and I don't see what all the hype is about with him. Another name I want to bring up is um, – I don't know if you'll like this one, but DeMarcus Cousins. He is put into that category with the winning losses. When when I bring that up, I mean, I know you love DeMarcus Cousins. I know he is a force in the paint, and he's also a force on the offensive end. He blocks some shots here and there, but when has he ever translated it to winning games? And I, And I – with the Kings, he's never won. With the, um, with the Pelicans, they, 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 they made a huge stride when he, when he went out last season and got injured for the rest of the season. And that's why they didn't invest in him in the offseason. And he, he signed for, I don't know. F- 5.3 third, third, million third, yeah. with the Warriors. Yeah, so that's about 25 20% of what he should be making. Numbers wise, looking yeah. at other players. But those two are at, at the top of my list. And for my all time most overrated player, I'm gonna go with Carmelo Anthony. He we all know Carmelo Anthony's never been a winner. He's 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 hurt teams And I call him the I call him the cancer. Whenever he whenever he comes to a team, he always he, he, makes, he makes things worse. Shooting percentage for a guy who shoots 15 shots or more, he was, uh, I think, second to worst in that category. And when you're talking about a a, a pastime star, Olympian, a, uh, a great a perennial
0: star, a perennial star, this guy was, this guy made like 10 or 12 All Star teams. Yeah, exactly. I I, I, I think if you can agree with me, I think what you're saying here is it's possible to be on a losing team and be a winner. And it's also possible to be on a winning team and be a loser or, or meaning be overrated. And what I, what I mean by that is we all know, I, and I agree with, with all your points, the Marcus cousins is a tremendous talent. Now the Marcus cousins doesn't make a team better. His stats are incredible. He is probably very good for a fantasy team. But as far as making his team better and making his, you know, all his teammates around him better, he isn't—he isn't that guy. Carmelo Anthony, I would have to absolutely agree. OKC, uh, rough year last year, uh, underperformed, lost to Utah in the first round, um, and then you—you know—you bring up Carmelo um, this year to the Rockets, and they're one and two. You know, he's coming off the bench, which he accepted that role. And as you should, they're just not producing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would have to agree with you on all those points. I mean, it, it's tough to, to to dispute any of them. Now, let me ask you this uh, as as I was watching the uh, Sixers and Pistons game last night and the new coach of the Detroit the Pistons, uh, Dwayne Casey, who was, who is the reigning coach of the year. Um, and after he won that award, he was let go um, as the,
1: Toronto Raptors head coach. Now let me before ask you guys, who, before he won it, uh, like a day uh, before, I think. Yeah, uh, boom! Yeah. Fired. Wins coach of the year next
0: day. So I'm assuming he's not going to want to win coach of the year this year. Um, but who do you think is going to take that title this year? Um, just because I think there's there are a lot of teams that can that can have a tremendous season. I mean, Brad Stevens to me is a guy that's always in the running. Brett Brown, if Sixers have another successful season, uh, Pop is always in the conversation. Uh, Luke Walton, if the Lakers make the playoffs,
1: could be in that
0: convers- conversation.
1: Um, if he's still there by the end of the season.
0: Um, yeah, th- they're very true. I mean, it's, it's early on, but I was going to ask you um, the head coach of Utah Jazz,
1: Quinn Snyder. I love him. Quinn I love Snyder. Him. Yeah.
0: Um, by the way, I think he has a law degree or an MBA from Duke, um, and he has a tremendous young team out there. Those guys play really well defensively; they're really defensive-minded. Um, that's that's my pick uh, for coach of the year, just because they're in a brutal conference, um, small market, and you know the things that he has to work with. Who would you say is is your coach? Of the I, year?
1: I would totally agree with you. I mean, I, you obviously. Named all the basically the top five you you talk about pop, you talk about Brad Stevens, Brett Brown, uh, Dwayne Casey and uh, the, to top it off you got to pick Quinn Snyder last year what he did with that team with a with a rookie point guard um, just ma- just making a lot of noise in in the western Conference playoffs and um, I think if he if he can if he can even just match that this year. And uh make some noise again in the playoffs. I think he is hands down going to win this award, um especially because Brad Stevens is in the east, and there's basically one or two other teams he's uh, competing against where Quinn Snyder's got to come out every night and compete against great teams um and also great coaches like uh Pop, who doesn't have the most talented team, but always gets his guys to play. Yeah, it's
0: it's interesting, pop. You know, I, I read an interesting fact that Spurs are like dead last in the NBA with possessions just because they kind of melt the clock and really work their offense. Um but not to get off off topic, um I wanted to ask you thoughts on uh Nikola Jokic, uh Jokic, uh, excuse me, who Denver actually ended up beating the Warriors the other night. Um he's off to a good start. He's not your traditional center. He, as in, pound the ball down low to him, and he makes moves. He's averaging last year. He averaged about six point three assists. This year, um, a little more than that. This guy is versatile. He can shoot. Kind of has an awkward shot. Has that? Has the really wide shoulders and and a strong body but but he's out there just making place for his team kind of like a point forward so i just want to get your thoughts on him as far as um a dominant big man like would you consider him and do you see him being um like a future star as in one of the top 10 players in the NBA, if he, unless he is already in your mind, to me, he isn't a top 10 player, but maybe your thoughts differ.
1: I really like, I really like his game. He's an all around offensive talent. He passes the ball very well uh, for his position. He can bring the ball up as a point and, and, and put, and put their, uh, put the nuggets in their offense. He sees, he sees plays develop two steps before they happen. And that's, it's uncommon, especially nowadays with these big men. Um, but the only thing, uh, when you talk about him, he's sometimes he he's too passive. He he's not aggressive enough. He's not. Uh, he doesn't have. I don't know if he has that killer killer instinct. Where at the end of the game, we we we're gonna give the ball to to uh, Nikola, and we're and he's gonna get us. He's gonna get us a bucket here. He's gonna make a play for us. And another thing is he is a huge defensive liability. I mean, when, when we're talking about post defenders, he could be top three worst than the NBA right now. And I'm not exaggerating. And the, but I mean, I think he can, he can improve that. He can improve that over time. I think this is what fourth season in the NBA. So I wouldn't put him in the top 10, like you said, right now. Uh, there's just too many guys ahead of him uh, right now. And I wouldn't put – I don't even – no, I wouldn't even put him in the top 10 in the West as well. But I like his got game.
0: Okay, gotcha.
1: Um, I wanted to ask you this just because
0: as NBA is very exciting to watch. Um, but there are also some games – And I think I might've been one of the, unless you're a Sixers or a Pistons fan to be watching the game last night. And Pistons actually have two guys that, that are potentially going to be all stars and that's something kind of going on over there. They revamped their franchise, but there are some teams out there that might as well not even open up the hot dog stand. And, (laughs) and I just wanted to get your thought on like, who are we going to be seeing in the lottery this year? Um, right now, uh, Dallas is playing Atlanta, and I think Atlanta might have scored 25 points in the first half. Um, I think they are one of the worst teams in the NBA. Um, I have the Knicks up there. Um, I have Orlando and Sacramento. And the the way I judge this is when I kind of go on and look at NBA tickets, I just look at the ticket prices. And some of these places, tickets are going for $5. And (laughs) that tells you of the quality of the basketball you're going to be watching. Um, so I just wanted to get your thoughts on who do you think the top-worst um, NBA teams are. And and this is not, like, meant to be disrespectful at all. I think Orlando has a developing young team that's just not good, and they're going to be bottom of the NBA. Being bottom of the NBA is you're still one of the best teams in the world. Um, by the way, Orlando ended up beating Boston in Boston on Monday night. And I just kind of wanted to see – um, like your thoughts and and kind of like go
1: from there um you're right on though these some of these teams are bad they're really bad like the kings you said they're bad uh they're young but they're they're just not going to compete the hawks uh i mean the Suns have at least two really young stars who i like in uh devin cooker and um well, yeah. let me interrupt you for a second.
0: And and yes, that's see that's the thing. If if you have a guy like Devin Booker or on the Knicks, Porzingis, or a guy that that is a, a super a star or establishing himself as a star, you're gonna like if you're an NBA fan like myself, you're gonna buy a ticket to go watch this guy play. Like for example, two years ago, Devin Booker came to Philly. And the Suns were terrible. I mean, Jared Dudley was on the team. The guy, I, I don't know how he's still in the NBA. But anyways, so, you, you you, know, I wanted to see Devin Booker play. The ticket was reasonable, and I bought it, and I went. So, if you, but, but what if you don't have a guy like Devin Booker or a guy that's, like, establishing himself as a star? Like, Atlanta, I can't, like, Trey Young, I guess. But, like, for example, the Knicks. Uh, the Knicks don't have Perzingis. Well, he's on the sideline. Yeah, with an ACL tear. Um, Knox, but he's a- Knox is hurt. Knox is hurt. Um Orlando, they have Mo Bamba, but he's not he, I think he's gonna take him a couple of years. They don't really have a guy that you like good at No, nah, you know,
1: yeah. I know she you if you're gonna do- so we're looking at those really watching. What
0: like what what are these teams like? What are what do some of these teams have that, like that's appealing to go watch like like Golden State played um, the Suns and you obviously when you're watching Golden State you go watch one of the best teams of all time but like if if, if it's the Suns or let's like say the Knicks playing the Magic what are you really like why are you tuning into the game why are you buying a ticket to the game. Um, like, what's your perspective on that? On that, unless you're just a junkie like me.
1: Like right now, I don't think I would go watch a Cavs game if if somebody paid me. That's how that's how bad they are. I mean, LeBron, the Le, you you take away LeBron James and, and look what the Cavs are this year. People were talking like, oh yeah, they might have the Colin Sexton guy who's going to be really good. Um, Kevin Love is going to be playing. A, Back to his Kevin Love ways before he was a LeBron, but it's, to be honest, that the Cavs, uh, the the Nets, the Bulls—I mean, the Bulls of Zach Levine, who I like a little bit—he's he's had some injuries. Um, he's having a tremendous season he, by the he way. He's is. averaging
0: like 30, 33. Yeah, like,
1: thirty-two. Yeah, averaging.
0: yeah. He's 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 had a he's had a good season uh, so far. But yeah, I I agree with you. I, I think it's tough to watch some of these games, and it's kind of like an NBA. I think the I think they've done a great job to keep their brand and in the loyalty that they have, and expanding the le um, the NBA uh, brand globally, uh, China and London um, mm-hmm. and all these other places. NBA is kind of expanding, but I think one of the biggest problems that they have is teams tanking, and some of these teams are trying to do just that and kind of like it will be interesting to see what the NBA is going to do to kind of mitigate that problem going forward. So it keeps the value of that franchise and the tickets and and whatnot up because it's interesting, like uh, the Nets are nearby. And if you were to go watch the Nets play, uh, the Cavs, at this point, tickets would be very, very cheap and very affordable. But mm-hmm. if the Warriors come, they're going to be you know outrageous, sold out within mm-hmm. minutes. So it's kind of like people use, use these bad franchises as a conduit to go watch when a good team comes to town. And NBA, I think that's the only unsolvable problem that they have at this point. But it's a pretty good problem, I guess, to have – um, when you kind of like look from the outside and, and, and see how, you know, the league in the, in the, in the seventies and eighties in the early eighties was kind of falling apart and, um, magic and, and, and MJ kind of brought it back and LeBron really, really uh, piggybacked off of that and, and really globalized it. And, um, not to go too off topic, but you know, the NBA, is what it is because of, of of i think you know the people that run it but anyways uh let's move on from the nba and going into the nfl but before we do that i wanted to go over peps Pick'em. um it was a rather interesting week right when we talked and uh i want to kind of bring up a point you <laughs> you mentioned how you don't touch the nba for the first couple of days or for excuse me for the first couple of weeks
1: months and
0: uh, yes you couldn't have been more right as I took Cleveland versus Atlanta I took Cleveland um, I was wrong uh, you took Cleveland uh, I'm sorry you took Atlanta and you were right in that aspect uh, we were right we were both wrong in OKC Denver and Houston so you went one for four in the NBA I went 0 oh for four so that tells you right there that Pep was right. Fans do not touch NBA games until things get established a little bit more. Now, let's go over Pep's pick'em in the NFL. Pep, um, if I'm not mistaken, you went six for 13, um, and it was
1: a rather tough six week. for 13. No, 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 eight, eight for five. G, eight, eight and five, 13. eight for five, eight and five. I went okay, so, so eight you and 13, went, eight for 13, eight, but eight, eight, eight
0: yeah. and five. Okay. So you got more than 50% right. But what really stuck out to me is that you won the teaser and you were really locked in on those games. And those games were Philly and Carolina, which Philly ended up losing. Uh, Indianapolis, you took and and you took Dallas. Um, and you took Dallas. Or I'm sorry, you took I the, took the Red season Redskins.
1: Season. And, and that was you you the, pick, the pick of the week.
0: That was the pick of the week to the Redskins. That, that that was pick of the week, and you know what? I have to give it to you. You were correct, but um, I just wanted to point out there, Teaser, that's a sucker's bet. Uh, Pep, who is a little bit more proficient at this, got it right. But just to mention to you fans out there, uh, Teaser is a sucker's bet. So, Pep, I guess the motto is good teams win, but great teams cover. Exactly. Let's move on to the NFL and um, talk about well, since we were – Talking about tanking the NBA, um, let's talk about tanking in the NFL and the Raiders. I mean, John Gruden went in there, and this is an interesting dynamic. And the entire scenario of everything that that is going on with that organization is, to me, very interesting. John Gruden, for those of you that may or may not know, used to be the Raiders coach. Um, He got traded, which is bizarre to me that a coach gets traded to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And ends up winning the Super Bowl with the Buccaneers. And after that, he took a little break from coaching. Actually, a long hiatus from coaching. Um, And now he's back with the Raiders. And when he came back, he came back large in charge. He traded Khalil Mack to the Chicago Bears. Then he ended up uh, trading uh, one of his better receivers to the Cowboys, and he's making all the all these erratic moves. And this guy is just, to me, just really revamping the franchise. And I'm not sure for the better. But anyways, they're moving to Vegas in 2020, uh, I believe. Or it might be next season. I have to check that. Um, Pep, are they tanking? Uh, what do you think about the move to Vegas? And is John Gruden a good coach?
1: Um, I like the move to Vegas. I think um... – People you think
0: players are going to like practicing. in well, the desert?
1: Well, I'm not speaking about players. I'm speaking about uh, the fan, everybody in Vegas always – everybody wanted a sports team in Vegas. We, it would be great to see it. Now we're going to see an NFL team. Um, eventually we'll see an NBA team. Uh, another sports well, hold on, hold be, on. Let me
0: – I have to interrupt you. I have to interrupt you. Do you think it is good to give you said you mentioned the nba now a lot of these guys are just going to get money that they never had do you think it's good it's a good idea to move a franchise to the sin city where these guys have all this money and probably don't know how to manage it and they c- they can have access to gambling Strip clubs and all the other things well, that go on well, in gee, America's playground.
1: Look at it this way: so the NFL season is how long? From from, um, so it's seventeen weeks. So that's about four and a half playoffs. If you say your bonus playoffs, we're talking four and a half months. Uh, we're talking about let's say half the year, right? What do you think these guys are doing on the other half of the year, G? They're going to Vegas. They're they're spending all the money they made in Cleveland in Vegas or Miami, uh, wherever you want to go. And but you still have to make the trip, right? Like if you if you have something readily I don't available, think, I don't think they're too worried about a a five hour flight from Philly to to Vegas when they when they're popping bottles and uh, doing some other things in there in those clubs. So I don't think okay. it's I, I mean, okay, during the season they might get a little off course, but that's why they have football teams have meetings. They're in the they're in the they're in the facility eight to ten hours a day. Some some guys more. Um but I don't know. I don't think uh
0: You think it's a positive I don't think they have time for...
1: during the season, but you never know. You never you see guys like uh Le'Veon Bell who won't even show up, so
0: Mel um let me ask you, uh, john gruden he's he really came into uh oakland and started making moves aggressive moves um what do you think about him as a coach uh raiders aren't having that much success this season um he maybe he's trying to rebuild and possibly draft the entire uh alabama um Alabama roster that's going to be in the draft. I guess the entire FCC, because he looks like this guy wants to accumulate every pick. What do you think about him as a coach? And are they trying to thank
1: him? I mean, honestly, I don't... Okay, he, he had a good season in Tampa Bay that, that, that were all of Tony Dungy's guys, he, which was not his team, but he's, he's still, uh, he still he got the credit for it, which, okay, you, you got to give it to the man. He won the Super Bowl. Um, personally, I, I, if you take, if you, okay, if you take 10, 10, years off from doing, doing a craft that, that you consider yourself professional, you're not going to come back the same. He was, he was teaching quarterbacks how to, uh, read the game. If anything, he could, <laughs> he could have came back as a quarterback coach for an NFL team and, and did this, but I think he's way overpaid. Uh, I think the Raiders, bought into something that they were way over their heads with. And I, I just don't agree with it. Right now the Raiders just traded Amari Cooper to the Dallas Cowboys. They freed up a lot of salary, um salary cap, but I think it's it's a tank. It's a tank for sure. And they're like you said, they want draft picks. They want they want it all for the future and which will be in Vegas. So I think that's interesting, and uh, I guess they're they're going to keep you're going to let Gruden tank it and, and keep him for the long haul. So let's see. Okay, okay. Now uh, let's
0: touch upon a topic that you um, that you're definitely more familiar than I am, um, because you used to play. And for those of you listeners out there, Dalton used to be a talented pitcher. Um, most likely, if it wasn't for um, an elbow surgery, might have been. Might have been a pro, but who knows. But anyways, let's touch upon the World Series and what's going on out there. Um, the Boston Red Sox ever since they mm-hmm. broke the curse, the hundred and uh plus hundred uh, and some year curse, uh was it was at oh four. They've mm-hmm. really had one of the most successful franchises. Um, I think three World Series. They took a lead last night. Um, what do you think mm-hmm. about that? And, you know, can you throw in some comments on, I guess, in my opinion, to America's most successful um, professional sports city with the Celtics, the Red Sox, the Bruins and the Patriots. Mm-hmm. It seems like there's a parade in Boston, if not every year, every other year. Yeah. Um, what's going on out there? And um, what do you think? What do you think's going to happen in this uh, World Series?
1: I personally think Boston wins in four. Uh, I don't see much. Of that. Wow, sweet! I don't think. So. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. I mean, They have their pitching is far and beyond. I mean, the Dodgers have Kershaw. They had. They have some other guys, but I just think uh, the most talented team in the MLB right now is the is the Boston Red Sox, um, who just beat the Yankees in a in a in a great in a great series. And the Dodgers are coming off a, uh, seven game series with Milwaukee Brewers, Brewers, who they, I thought they were going to lose the series of Dodgers, but I think, I don't, I don't, I don't think the Dodgers have what it takes to beat them. Um, like you said, Boston is just a rich sports city. They, they love their <laughs> sports. They, uh, they die for it. They Celtics. Um, Red Sox, Patriots. And right now, all three of those teams, I'm not sure about hockey. I don't, I don't. uh, Yeah. Bruins have been
0: successful. um, Not in the, not in the last couple of years, um, as far as like winning championships, the Stanley cup and whatnot, but Mm -hmm. they, uh, they, they've certainly had success. Um, okay. So you think, you think it's
1: just a straight up sweep and I think so. I, I'd like to see those odds. I'd like to see those odds for that, uh, to a, for a four, Oh, for a four Oh sweep. That would be a, that might be a nice little wager to place for you, for your betters out there.
0: <laughs> All right. Now, now Pep, there's something that um uh, that's going to kind of take us out of the scope of the first two episodes that we've had. It's still sports related. But it's not necessarily analyzing and taking deep dives into into a particular topic, a player, or a team. Um, I personally enjoy color commentators, and when I say a color commentator, I do not mean by race or color. I mean somebody that that adds flavor to Mm. the commentary that's being made. I know where you're going with this. My favorite my favorite announcer is Doris Burke Mm -hmm. and she's actually announcing the Dallas Mavericks and the Atlanta Hawks game, which is just a despicable game to watch just because as I mentioned, the hot dog stand isn't even open. It's a blowout. Um, how's Doncic playing? Doncic had, uh, I believe 14 points in the first half. Um, but it just to me it's just not a not an appealing game to watch, and unless you're a Hawks or a Mavericks fan, I just don't know how you do it. Um, <laughs> so it's it's just really rough to watch, especially with a blowout like that. But anyways, I wanted to comment. I, I I've watched a lot of basketball over over the course of my life um especially more uh, over the last couple of years and i think doris burke is a tremendous announcer and i think i'd like to see her on more primetime games and what i mean by that they at 9 30 our beloved sixers are playing the milwaukee bucks which i think is a fairly mm, good contest that's gonna be a good one um but uh, why do you think she doesn't get more primetime games and that's not you know a, a shot at <laughs> Jeff Van Gundy or Hubie Brown or a- any of those other guys out there. But mm-hmm. I feel like ABC and ESPN just don't market, market her as much as they should because she's very personable, fun to listen to, um, well-liked. I, I just – I don't get it. Um, I am at the verge of writing them a letter and saying, can you please put Doris Burke um, on more primetime games? just because I enjoy listening to her commentate. Sometimes, as much as I love Jeff Van Gundy, he can get annoying mm-hmm. and get off topic. And, like, what is it about Doris Burke that she can't break through? And, obviously, she's been successful and nominated for awards. But consistently, be i I'd love to, to hear her announce the finals game. And I just don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. So what do you th- what do you th- am i missing something out here am i blinded by the fact that i just like you know her commentary or is it um is it something else
1: i mean doris is a great great announcer uh she knows her stuff she does her homework she she's been in the game for a while um like you said she's personable she is uh all the all the players love her i mean i, I saw i think lebron was giving her a hug before every game. and uh, But other than that, I think she is definitely a top announcer. Um, and you're right. I, I'd love to see her do an NBA game, uh, an NBA finals game, rather than hear Van um, Gundy and Mark Jackson blabber about the same stuff and hear how uh, salty Mark Jackson is about the Warriors. Hand down, this. man
0: down. If I hear that one more time. Yeah.
1: So, I mean – I'd love to see Doris go in, uh, get some more primetime games, like you said, and um, just show what she's capable of, and let let fans really see what she's about. Because, like you said, if you're not a huge NBA fan like you are, then you're not listening to her. You're not watching the, these these uh, popcorn games where, with the Mavs and the Hawks, but but you you're watching them, so you you get to hear her and you get to see what she's about. So I, I think she should get more. More games, but who knows? Maybe she will. I think you should uh, look into that letter. Yeah,
0: yeah. Give write ESPN a nice letter, telling them about all the disappointments that uh, that that I have with them, and uh, give Doris Burke some more exposure. For the love of God! Now, Pep. Before we wrap up uh, today's midweek special, I wanted to ask you. There's a lot of college football games going on mm-hmm. on Saturday, and you know. The way you live your life, there's a few games tickling your fancy. So, so tell tell us and all the listeners out there, give us the top three games that you think, um, that you would place your money on, um, and what what you think would what you think uh, is going to happen. Because to me, college football is is so unpredictable. Um, you could have a starting quarterback. That you know, who just broke up with his girlfriend has that that's in the running for the Heisman. Completely have a horrible game. I think Ohio State is is completely the the perfect example of that. So you know, you do a little bit more analysis on college football and watch it a little bit more
1: closely. So what would you say would be the top three games? So I'm gonna do. I haven't looked at every single college game because there's too many to look at. So I'll I'll talk. From the top of my head, some top 25 games with uh, a couple top 25 teams. I like um, West Virginia's coming off a bye at home. They're minus 13. I like them. I like them. I 13. like. Minus 13.
0: That's quite a spread to cover.
1: Yeah, they're at home, come off a bye. They're, they're, they're playing Baylor. So, I think it's going to be. At the milan Star Stadium. Exactly. Okay. I think it's going to be like a 45-21 ball game. West Virginia is tough to win at home. They have a high-powered offense. Um, they're rested. So I like West Virginia in this one to cover two two scores, now, two touchdowns. For those of you
0: listeners out there, Dalton Pepper has flipped some tires on the West Virginia um, football field. Um, yes, I, I have. I overheard, I overheard you might have missed a class or two. And uh, good old Huggy Bear made you flip tires. Can, can you just give us – give our listeners a little bit of what that experience was before you give us your next two picks?
1: Well, uh, that one wasn't for skipping class, G. That was for another off-topic uh, incident. Okay, incident. well, we won't get but, into that, but how was it flipping oh, tires? Oh, man, they, is, were, they were the two, like? two toughest years of my life. Um, I'm going to say they weigh about, I don't know. I don't know. You know, 200 pounds. We had to flip it 1,500 yards. So that's, so that's uh, 1,500 yards. That's almost 1,500 yards in the 12 o'clock sun in August. So that's about 104 degrees the sun beaming on you i was i was uh down to my down to my tights and that's it my teammate was down to his tights and that it that's it and um yeah do so, these coaches have that's any, 15 times concern for 15 your 15 times you all? 15 times up and back uh yeah they have well being that kind of stuff makes you into a man and uh really builds build your character
0: well, that I understand, but I- I'm just saying, flipping, doing any sort of physical labor in that sort of heat.
1: Gee, you can't get uh, caught peeing behind a dumpster with the police right there. So that's, that's something you can't do. So we, we, I learned my lessons, and I have not, not got caught peeing in public since. So there's a okay, the great that's, learn, that's lesson, lesson learned. Now give us, give us your
0: uh, other two picks.
1: I like, you know, let me let me take Washington State right now in a big upset. Uh, I got them winning outright. They're plus three at Stanford. They uh, just beat Oregon last week in not a close game at all. And I think Washington State wins wins another big one. And I think you uh, get some nice get a nice money on that one with a money line. Take the plus three. Take the points as well. Stanford. I also like this is tough because uh Georgia's coming coming off tough two weeks ago they had a tough match. I like their quarterback a lot. I watched a documentary on him. Uh but I'm gonna take Florida plus seven at Georgia. I don't like it, but I just think seven is too much for that one. Florida's a good defense and um I think if if they can keep it close, they can they can hold it within a touchdown. So I like Florida, Washington State, and West Virginia to cover in those three. Wow, wow! I mean,
0: I, I'm I'm impressed just just due to your analysis. Um, I know I watch college football, but not to the extent that you do. Just because there's for example, the NBA, you can there's 30 teams, and you can kind of get a glimpse of every team. College football, I mean, there's so many teams. Oh yeah, and and it changes week to week. And, Weather, I mean, I mean home court, home field, in this instance, this advantage is so big in in college sports. Just I because. think
1: I think the machines have a buy this week, which is the machines I'm referring to, Alabama, so and Nick Saban. So I think they have a buy, or else they'd be on the list. So.
0: Yeah, Nick Saban, who was earlier this season complaining that Alabama doesn't, uh, that the Alabama student section wasn't uh, was empty, yeah, um, which was rather interesting. You know, I kind of wanted to tell Nick Saban if I could ever get into contact with him. Well, maybe you should toughen up your schedule so the games are a little closer.
1: Watching well, yeah, and- they're be- they're beating teams by over thirty eight points a game right now, G, and that's just. I mean, it's not even watchable. Yeah, they they're 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 covering spreads. Better 28 in the first half. Wow. So So
0: we could tell Nick Saban, he really is a true testament to good teams win, but great teams cover. Pep, it was great having you on this, on this podcast, uh, co-hosting it with me. Uh, I just wanted to let our listeners know that we are going to have a special episode coming out this Sunday with the fab four. So please stay tuned with that. We're going to have a variety of topics, um, in which we're going to depict from sports to popular media. So please stay tuned. It's going to be the Fab Four. We'll give you we'll give you more about that episode on Sunday. Um, I'll talk to you then, buddy.
1: Great talking to you, G. See you
0: later. All right. Have
1: a good night.
0: Thank you for listening to today's episode. We really hope you enjoyed the show.